So, <laughs> so I, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. My, <laughs> my name is David Hoyt, and uh, this is ExoFriends, the ExoSquad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. Uh, and as always, I am joined by Kayvon Fishami and Lexi Decording. Hooray! Yay. Hello, back. everyone. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry for the delay for the Patreon early access people. I've had a lot of trouble getting on schedule for recording lately, so hopefully we'll get this out to you as soon as possible. Um, other than that, uh, how are anything exciting with you two? Or have you? Have, did you? Did you notice that I put the wrong like title card and everything on the last episode? I did not. No. What was the? <laughs> I, I did listen to I it, but um, no. What was it? No, I I uploaded the right files and everything, so it was it was like the correct audio, and we were talking about the right episode. But I labeled it as if it was this episode, and I have resolved to stop taking edibles when I <laughs> when I when I uh, edit and uh, upload. <laughs> uh, it. It may have caused an issue or two. <laughs> Ed- edibles will do that to you. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. why I, I smoke my marijuana the way God intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't do it. Can't <laughs> yeah, do that's it. fair. I have tiny. I have tiny baby lungs. <laughs> oh shame. Oh. Oh, that's pretty funny though. Well, okay, we're gonna we're gonna try to label this one correctly. Uh, Patreon people, apologies, but I'm sure you'll survive. Like, it's it's totally my fault. Everyone, do not do not <laughs> do not blame the rest of the network. Um, it's just a just a quick what? just a quick plug for other things on the network. I have been doing a lot more streaming recently, so Twitch.tv/emnetwork. Um, I have been playing what to me is the uh, is like. The first game I've ever played that I think could even be called a Souls-like, it's called Blade of Darkness from like back when we were in high school, and it was only ever released on PC, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. And I remember is, that one. It is wonderfully drank. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's one where you can like cut people's arms and heads and legs and stuff off, and it's like you're mostly and, just and running people. Yeah, and you're fighting like orcs and stuff, and... There's like no story at all. You just wander around and get into like really difficult melee fights with stuff. You are an adventurer and you are looking for the the artifact of the goddess and that's all you know. Yep. Yeah, I remember that game. That game slapped. Um and it was really hard. Uh Yeah. Well, because you can't play it with a controller either. You have to play it with a mouse and keyboard. <laughs> and keyboard. I remember. <laughs> Dude, I remember getting so infuriated with that game. Um there were a bunch of us in high school that played it and were like super into it because it was like a grim kind of black metal game, uh, like the Dark Souls games. And uh, yeah, just remember getting super frustrated with how difficult that game was. Yeah, I remember. I remember the first time I ever beat that game, and I was like, I am the best at video games ever. Seriously, I mean, it's like old school Nintendo game hard sometimes. Yeah, it's like, wait, you want me to do what? <laughs> like, I'm supposed to fight what? I, I, you want me to jump? There's not even a jump button. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? This isn't a platformer. Why am I supposed to jump across this bit? I can't. 
Uh, and the, of course, the other plug, if you want to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash EM network and uh, key and you can kick us a few bucks. And that really goes a long way towards uh, all the hosting costs and everything that we pay for for the podcast. Uh, we appreciate everyone's support. And we also just appreciate you listening. Love you guys. Yeah. Um, it's not so that, that you, anybody seriously. listens. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I also do love like when you come in, Dave, because you seem to you know be the person who receives most of these messages but like when people actually do uh occasionally respond to our random questions that we ask on the show or yeah uh inform yeah. us of things like it's not justin timberlake jake tudak and marsh it's actually james tiberius so yeah it, it, it's it's like it's like when you were when you were a kid and you got something in the mail and you were like, yes. "What? Well, someone sent me something," <laughs> and and not as an adult, where you're like, "Someone sent me junk mail or a bill." Great. Yeah, it's yeah. almost always like, "Oh, someone sent me a bill." Great. So, yeah. Thanks, folks. Yeah. You make it um, all worthwhile. They really do. They really do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as uh, 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 we got to think of something to call our fans. <laughs> but they're part of the Exo- extended Exo Friends universe. There are Exo Friends too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're, we're, we're all Exo Friends. Fre- friends of Exo Friends. Uh, the uh, so the episode we're talking about today is uh, season two, episode nine, Inner Dark. Um, it is written by, as always, Mark Edens and uh, a duo that seems to. I'm not sure if they do, but like looking at their credits, they worked on a ton of stuff together. Uh, a guy named Jim Carlson and a guy named Terrence McDonald. Um, they've written previous episodes on the show uh, from before when I started talking about the writers. Uh, unfortunately, Jim Carlson, Carlson passed away in 2007, but he he and Terrence have lots of old school, like 70s and onwards uh, kind of sci-fi and uh, just general TV shows like uh, Chips, Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic Woman, some classics uh, in there. Yeah, uh, the the one the one particular standout I found was called Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. Uh, it was a story about uh, secret agent chimps, where they actually had like chimps that they record that they recorded doing stuff and dubbed over them, kind of like. Uh, what was that horse show called? The Mr. Ed. Amazing Mr. Ed. Yeah, yeah Mr. Ed. Uh, That's amazing. That, yeah, it sounds really fun. How like, long I, was I this on looked, the air for? I I didn't I didn't find a whole lot out about it, and I have and I didn't look too hard for episodes yet. But I'm probably gonna try to find them someday because you know, like even if it's even if it's you know a bad TV show, you could still have fun trying to see, like thinking about someone trying to wrangle these chimps and yeah. making a show like this. Absolutely. Like, I would, especially, uh, Ooh, 17 episodes. What? Yeah. <laughs> including, including the lone ape. Ape is a dot or a period P period E period. Uh, missile beach party. Chump takes a holiday. Chump again is all like, uh, um, acronymized. Uh, the Doctor Goes Ape, The Surf and Spy, Banana, but spelled B-O-N-A-N-A, uh, and The Chump Code Caper. I think I think Chump is the name of their like secret agent organization. Amazing. 
Yeah, it looks like it was on the air from uh, September 1970 to January 1971. I, you know, Lexi and I were talking about this the other day, and like, what are we going to do when we do inevitably run out of Exo Squad episodes? Lancelot, Link, Secret Chimp. <laughs> Just saying, guys. I, I, I hope that we could get as much out of that show as we do from Exo Squad, but I'm not. I, maybe we'll have to do a few episodes at a time and summarize <laughs> some of those because yeah. I feel like maybe it's not like the depth of the narrative will <laughs> quite be there. It might not be the same kind of rich text. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. Apparently, there's a Baron von Butcher and a Wang of Fu. <laughs> oh. oh no. Oh no! <laughs> how, how so? Like maybe maybe it's all about like Cold War politics, like just like a like a low level buzz in the background, and we can get a lot out of that. I don't, I don't know. Well, like, we're gonna have to find out. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, well, the other the other thing that uh, so Terrence McDonald wrote for Ben Stein's Money or Win Ben Stein's Money, uh-huh. and I. I I don't do. Did either of you two ever watch that show? Oh yeah, no. I actually really used to enjoy it when I was yeah, I don't me know, too. Like late high school, early college era. Yeah. So I, I'm not. I'm not sure if Ben Stein's fame made it anywhere but the U.S. Did, did you ever? Did you ever watch that? Um, did you ever see that at all, Lexi? No, I think Kavon's mentioned it, and I. Like, I've just heard of it, but I've never actually seen it. And I don't think it came to South Africa. Oh. Do you know who Ben Stein is? No. Okay. He, oh, he was... okay. I just looked up a picture of him. He's that guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> the guy the guy who could be Henry Kissinger if you squinted. Like... <laughs> yeah, he's like Henry Kissinger's probably... little brother. Doesn't he always play, <laughs> like, a nerdy teacher... In like yeah. five different movies. Yes. Okay. He was yeah. in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. Right. But, right. The Bueller. But, yeah. But he also had a stint in politics. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> As a super conservative, he was a speechwriter for Reagan, right? I think so. Either Reagan or Nixon. Um, yeah. What? One of those two. Uh, which it seems so like because obviously like he's always typecast as the super boring like nerdy guy. Mm. So like. I guess, I guess actually that is who you want writing your speeches because like they'll actually think about what you're saying, but it, it just doesn't seem like it would fit, right? Right. Um, oh, yeah. So he was a speechwriter for Nixon and then Ford after that before he went on to a career in entertainment, which is a st- weird trajectory, uh, I would say. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I guess he was born in D.C. too, so it's kind of probably like born into the whole thing but yeah no he um he's kind of he had a little bit of a reprise during the trump era as an outspoken critic of um and i'm going to use a huge heavy dose of scare quotes here cancel culture um and a vocal (laughs) supporter of trump um he's kind of gone off the deep end uh i mean he, he was always pretty conservative and he's really kind of um gone off the deep end yeah in fact i'm looking at his uh wikipedia here and it says he's been quoted as calling barack obama the most racist president there's ever been in america (laughs) uh i mean there's there's lots of stuff to criticize obama for but i don't know if you can call him the most racist president in a world that includes andrew jackson 
you gotta you gotta you gotta get your BuzzFeed headline article or article headline somewhere. Might as well go to Ben Stein, right? <laughs> Hang on. So. so what does Ben Stein have to do with this episode of Express uh, I, Friends? I, I, I'm sorry, I'm it is, so lost. It is a complete complete tangent. Uh just just that the one of the writers, Terrence McDonald, used to write for a game show where you specifically competed against Ben Stein to win money that he would get if you other if you otherwise lost. Wait, so whose money was... So it wasn't actually Ben Stein's money. It was the show's money, and then Ben no, Stein could win it, or you could win it. So the word... Or was the, it like his personal money on the line? It was his paycheck for the show, I think, was how it was supposed yeah. to... That's how it was explained to me. It was okay. like, his basically, his paycheck was up for grabs, and you like could win a portion of it or all of it if you kind of outsmarted him. Yeah. Okay. And, and it was just like a stupid... Smart. It, the yeah the idea the 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 stereotype being that he's super smart and it was just a quiz show where he probably got most of the answers beforehand right yeah yeah that's the question is like i, I see you have in your notes here too is like was he actually smart or was it an act and i actually now you know at the time when i was in high school i was like wow this guy's like super smart he knows everything and now looking back on it it's like was he though uh, right, <laughs> especially after some of his more um, enlightened political commentary of recent years. Well, I mean, he, he we we thought he was smart when we were teenagers. Maybe he thought that we would think he was smart now. But... <laughs> Shame. Uh, um, although, just quick fun side note: uh, that's the earliest I can ever remember seeing Jimmy Kimmel in anything. Uh, that was because he was the host of that show for a hot minute, and I remember him having lots of actually pretty funny. Uh, erotically charged dialogue with uh, Ben Stein. Was, was that was that before the Man Show? Yes. Oh, yes. The Man Show. I was definitely yeah. in college when that started, and when Ben Stein's money was around when I was in high school. God damn that that fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, other things that did not make their way into my media sphere and i don't even know if we got the man show in south africa either like i you know i would have to look but i just don't remember it ever being on tv what a tragedy a lot of weird stuff going on in america in the early 2000s just just a lot of weird stuff goes on in america period right (laughs) (laughs) every every era filled with weird shit well i mean Uh, when you have a bunch of like executives with a lot of money and a ton of cocaine like you're gonna get some strange stuff like a show about chimpanzee super spies why not? Yes. Next next episode. That that's what we're covering. Uh, <laughs> yes. Back 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 to the inner dark. Uh, so we we finally we finally get to go to chaos. Uh, the pirate the pirate homeworld, and like we see, like first off this this opens the scene opens up and it's like, like again one of those episodes where it seems like they they just put their A team on everything when it comes to the animation and the artwork is like very dark gloomy um color palette for everything it definitely has like distinct feeling from the rest of the series uh we we see like the they're rebuilding the exo fleet with the help of the pirates but one of them sets off uh, a bomb to sabotage the effort destroying what seems to be like a gigantic capital ship that was near completion um and the the weird thing like we we get to this guy who sets the bomb and he's just like spray painting it green i don't i mean i'm assuming they're like the uh, ship yeah is that his his cover like that he's just a a 
this ship painter or something. I I guess, but not, like the rest of the ship isn't green. <laughs> yeah, there's some funny green paint moments in this episode. I'm not sure what the green paint's all about, but maybe it's something to do with their stealth tech. Although he doesn't do a very good job. Yeah, he just like no, he doesn't blats a couple of spots and then like does the like you know like evil dog side eye and then flies off. Totally not suspicious here. No. <laughs> uh, after after we see the the sabotage effort, uh, we get to see Winfield talking with um, some some uh, I think JT with about the impact that this attack has had uh, beyond just the uh, beyond just the ship being destroyed. Uh, we learn that Simbaka is actually having trouble maintaining control over the pirate clans because. While the pirates that we've seen so far, or when when JT and and Alec went to convince them to join the Exofleet, were not super on board. They weren't like actively trying to harm it, except for Barca. But now apparently that they've gotten back to chaos, the pirate clans are like, "We never agreed to that. Why did you bring them here? We didn't want to join them." And uh, we also see Barca trying to convince hollis that Simbaka's gonna have him killed yeah i mean it makes a certain degree of sense uh you know you have i mean look at i mean how many uh rulers throughout history have bumped off uh promising you know uh kind of second in commands and promising subordinates because they're worried that their position is going to get eclipsed and uh the pirates have this kind of trial by combat thing Simbaka's getting older um, you know, that's, I, I think like there's a certain logic to it, especially when Barca kind of points out like, oh, hey, like, you know, he sent all you and all the other like kind of top people we have out to die on Sinope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I mean, there's a logic to it that makes sense, um, especially for someone as young and impressionable like Hollis. Yeah. And this isn't the first time Barca has like whispered poison into the ears of Hollis, right? Yeah. Right. Or Jubail yeah. or other people, you know, he's, despite that gawful cheese grater of a voice, he is uh, somehow <laughs> very persuasive. Is Barca actually that Disney snake who hypnotizes people? Like... <laughs> now you need to listen to me, Hollis. Now pay close <laughs> attention to my eyes. <laughs> I can oh. see that. I can see that. Um. It, and quickly, we move on from all of this to a demonstration of uh, Professor Algernon's new weapons that he has outfitted Able Squad with. Uh, and this se- this seems like just great. Like we're gonna sell some toys right here. Right. Uh, the 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 list of superpowers that they get uh, going down. Uh, Marsala and Nara get uh, the ability to cloak their tandem E-frame. Um, Takagi gets a holographic decoy, which, I mean, I guess a 50-50 chance of getting shot down is better than a 100% chance, but it does, it seems like the least cool of all the powers. Yeah, some of know. these toys are definitely better than others, and if I were uh, Kaz, I'd probably feel a little like, you know, the kid who gets the crappy present on Christmas when everybody else gets, like, <laughs> the pony or whatever else they're after. 
Um, yeah, it's, yeah. They it, they don't they don't do a very good job of selling like how useful that is for Takagi. No, and it's like it's not it it mirrors exactly the same thing you're doing, and it's like it doesn't sit that far away from you. It just doesn't. Yeah, it's like the it's the ten dollar subway gift card of um Christmas presents for like <laughs> e frame upgrades. Can you imagine like he's flying through like a crowded area or of like something like debris or other ships and like the one the hologram just flies through something and everyone's like, well, don't shoot that one. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, the game is up. Uh. The G. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daily Dalion gets uh, like uh, uh, area of effect EMP electronic scrambler. Yeah, uh, which I love how, like, um, Algernon's like, it disrupts electronics, and then you see it in action, and it just blows everything up like everything else does. <laughs> right. I well, that's because all of... Yeah, it is a disruption. <laughs> I guess it is, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't do things if you're dead. Well, it's... It's because all of their electronics are made by what's what's the company we keep we keep bringing up their tragic, terrible military contracting K- KBR <laughs> yeah Kellogg yeah, Brown and Root, all of, a subsidiary all of Halliburton. Of their, all of their electronics are made by KBR and Halliburton, <laughs> and they just blow up at the slightest inconvenience or jolt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bronski gets a a big grenade cluster bomb thing which is cool like yeah i mean we the first time we watched this we were like is it just us or do his little cluster bombs look like breath mints they do, they do. <laughs> here have a cert i can't remember what <laughs> brand it is but yeah like that kind of weird triangular shape right. of breath mint uh, it's exactly what those things look i like. feel which like there's like a kind of appropriate for him yeah I mean, he yeah probably actually would benefit from them, but I feel like there's like a here's how it feels to chew five gum vine, uh, to <laughs> <laughs> to make here. Uh you you just aged yourself there, Kayvon. Uh yeah, I know. I'm. <laughs> it TikTok is how the kids are taking away the control of the world from us millennials. <laughs> as Yo. if as if doing a podcast about an obscure show from the nineties doesn't really age us, <laughs> right? That no one under the age of thirty is seen. I'm not. I'm not near. I'm not nearly forty. <laughs> those those young millennials. They're ruining the world. Oh yeah, with their avocado toast and their TikToks or whatever it is they're doing. I, I actually had avocado toast the other day. It was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's fucking you, shit, man. Don't. Uh, you, you get like you get like um I don't know if I don't know if they have like a La Brea bakery where you guys are, but you get like a a, a crusty loaf of bread with like garlic on it. Mm. So uh, toast that, put some sliced avocado on it or avocado spread, whatever you want. Then the thing I put on it that no one else likes sardines. Mm, I love sardines. Sar- sardines and balsamic vinegar. That sounds. I could do that with anchovies. Actually, that sounds really good. Ooh, anchovies would be good too. Yeah. So join us, join us next week for more cooking tips. <laughs> All you need to know how to do is toast uh. <laughs> and slice and cut an avocado. Yeah, which yeah, is a, and- you know that's a that's a challenge. There's like a there's a process. We'll walk you through it. Don't worry. We'll have a five step tutorial with Dave's patented avocado slicing methods. Bin- binging with Dave. Uh, <laughs> I'm coming for you, Babish. Uh, the um, Maggie Weston. Literally gets the chain lightning spell from D and D, which is uh, pretty cool to have. 
Uh, yeah, uh, I actually really think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Torres gets like an extendo punch. Um, that one was also cool. like not as cool. I think after Kaz's, um, Rita's is like the next not coolest one. <laughs> I don't know personally. <laughs> so so it it would be cool if like she combined it with her lightsaber, like. Yeah, yeah, but it's just a giant fist on a cord. Yeah. It it's 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 less effective than a gun. <laughs> yeah. At least I it feel like it feels like it is. Maybe it could punch through a rock, but we've seen their guns destroy rocks too. Like <laughs> Right, right. You know. Uh Yeah. It's it's uh, like the twenty five dollar target gift card. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at least you're not going to go to subway but still not great yeah so Su- subway if- <laughs> subway is takagi's <laughs> yeah also if you haven't realized yet like listeners Kayvon fucking hates gift cards <laughs> I, it's the laziest gift in the world i'm sorry i despise them like no offense to anybody that's ever given me a gift card like fair enough i get it i'm not an easy person to shop for because unless you no know what like obscure black metal i'm listening to this week i'm there's not a lot to buy me uh but yeah it is a lazy lazy present we can do better as a culture you you know as 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 weird as it is like just make an amazon wish list if you want people to buy you something you want yeah yeah like that that's what my family does and you know what like every once in a while, I'll see something. I'll be like, you know what? This person would really like that, and I'll buy them that. But when it comes to Christmas and things like that, it's so nice to just be able to be like, my mom wants this robe. Click. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't have to overthink it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it were up to me, like Christmas uh, would just stop being about giving gifts entirely and just hang out with your family or whatever it is you prefer to do on that day, and that's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But nevertheless, alas. But we live in America. Yes, so. where you have to get somebody <laughs> a uh, go-go a gadget punch or a holographic decoy for Christmas. Get me my chatkeys. Uh, J- JT JT gets the most powerful thing, which and now that now that I've just read them all out loud, it's kind of just like Dalions, but better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, where he just like a giant energy blast emanates from him and destroys everything around him. Right. God, I hope no one like I hope none of his friends are near him when he needs to use it. <laughs> but the applications for this are are immense. And it's just like why doesn't yeah. why didn't you just equip everyone with that? Yeah. Well, it's all it's all in the experimental phase. Algernon's making sure it works. Of course, after this, we never see anyone else ever get these. <laughs> yeah. It's just Able Squad and that's it. And they rare and they rarely ever use them if I remember correctly. I yeah, I think yeah, you I was see gonna ask. Oh, go ahead. I see. No, just because I, I realized the other day we've actually been recording for over a year now. Um, I no. think we started recording in September of 2020. Wow, really? Uh, oh, that's how far the notes go back in my Google Drive folder. Damn. Um, but yeah, I was trying to remember because it's been a long time since we watched the second season through if anyone ever actually uses any of these or if it's just like for this little three minute scene. There's a few moments. There is a, a, a scene that stuck with me since I was a kid where JT goes on like more or less a suicide mission that he somehow survives. Um, and he's like laden down with everybody's like uh, um, fusion packs and all this. And he uses it in that scene. It's super epic because um, he's like kind of doing this like blaze of glory thing that again, somehow he survives. But like 
that's the only time I can remember him using the solar flare. Okay. Um. I finished, we recorded our first episode September 27th, Jan- uh, 2020. So we've been going for a little over a year. Wow. We are one year old. Released, we only released our first episode in January of this year. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. where there's a bit of a discrepancy. But yeah. yeah. Um, I did want to say quickly before we move on from these awesome um, product placements that never apparently materialized in toy form either. Uh, it was kind of interesting seeing all the different goodies that they got and then comparing to the list of um, like D&D classes. It was a while back when we did that little like extra episode on basically giving each character a D&D class. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I was looking at that like list again. So like Masala and Nara we had down as like monk, druid or cleric characters and they're the ones you get cloaking. I was like, okay, that kind of works. But then Takagi, you suggested Thief, Dave, and I was like, well, a holographic decoy is actually, it's also like something you can get in uh, D&D, basically, right? Like, yeah, mirror yeah. image. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, that kind of works. Uh, Delion, I'm trying to remember what we had. Oh, yeah, we said either a rogue or a wizard of some kind, maybe mm-hmm. a ranger. Mm. And the lightning blast kind of falls within that range. Same thing, Bronsky's cluster bomb, not all that bardish, but could be like glitter dust i don't know yeah if the glitter uh, exploded <laughs> if the glitter exploded and was minty fresh um yeah like maggie's uh chain lightning that she gets as you already said dave it's basically like a D spell um and we also we had her down as like artificer or wizard mm-hmm. of some kind and then uh rita was a barbarian and she gets this like punching hand thing. <laughs> turbo punch I like yeah. it. And then, uh, yeah, JT with his his solar flare blast or whatever the fuck it is. Um, we said he would be a, uh, a paladin. And I was like, oh, yeah, that actually also kind of yeah. is within theme. So just completely random coincidence. But I had a look at that list today and I was like, oh, yeah. Well, especially well, especially, especially in 5th edition D&D because a paladin is like a burst damage class in 5th edition. Mm. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's smite evil, right? Like, yeah. you know, you're doing a giant blast of the sun and holy goodness to eliminate your enemies. I like it. You're doing a smite, yeah. Praise, praise the sun, JT. Praise the sun. <laughs> He's uh, actually a Zoroastrian. <laughs> uh, at the, after, after we're done seeing this demonstration... Hollis like shows up and attacks Simbaka at like why you would do it right now when he's surrounded by <laughs> experimental weapons like so everyone's in plan. the frames. Yeah, it's like right now they'll never expect it, which they didn't really, I guess. Um, he attacks Simba- Simbaka, uh, injuring him severely during the demonstration, and Able Squad flies off to pursue him. Uh, a couple of things that happened before that, though, like we we get to Algernon is starting to seem like less of an asshole, <laughs> but he's still an asshole because yeah. he's like he's like yes, I am brilliant, aren't I? It's wonderful. Yeah, I mean he's kind of gone from maybe a gaping asshole to a run of the mill, generally closed asshole. <laughs> Not. Doesn't he say, oh, well, if I'd had a proper lab, I would have been able to do more. But I guess, you know, these little trinkets is like as good as I can do for now. And it's, right. it's and a they'll do, chain lightning I shit. suppose. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is like, also, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, 
since Simbaka gave me the facilities, I've been able to make this stuff. And then like two minutes later, he's like, with this crappy equipment that I have, it's just like a subtle dig at Simbaka, which seems to go over his head, which is probably for the better. Uh, but he's just like, yeah, yeah this savage pirate, these savage pirates and their crappy technology. Also, the sound in this scene is really weird because it sounds like some people are talking over a radio and some people aren't. In the uh, in the episode itself. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Maybe, maybe that was maybe that was just something while I was streaming it. I don't know. Um, and, and then, like again, talking about the the quality of the animation of this episode, they do this thing where, like, when Hollis is escaping, hmm. like the E frames all like get this sudden like speed boost as they hit a straightaway, and it's the first time I've really got a like true sense of how fast these things are. Yeah. Yeah, when we were just watching the episode before recording, uh, for as prep for this, uh, I, I I made the same comment. Like, I think this is some of the best uh, um, animation that we've seen yet in the series. It's really good. Yeah, it's they like keep a, stepping it up. Yeah, it's like a genuinely like thrilling. I was watching. I was like, this is like actually thrilling. Like, this is really good. Yeah. Uh, so a- Able Squad, Able Squad pursues Hollis. Uh, Simbaka is rushed to surgery or the hospital, space hospital, whatever. Um, and uh, JT, while that's happening, JT is the one who's out front in the pursuit of Hollis, but he his E-frame is damaged, and I can't exactly remember how. I think Hollis like shoots him or he runs into something. Yeah, so he downs Hollis, um, and then as he's like kind of, he's like, okay, traitor, like, get out of it, or I'm going to blast you or whatever, and then Hollis speaks and catches him off guard because he's the last person JT expects, uh, and then Hollis zaps him and damages his E-frame. That's right. That, that's right, because when he gets out of the E-frame, JT's like, Hollis, what are you doing? Because they didn't know who it was before. Right. Right, and uh, so it's a it's a shock because you know Hollis is a he's a good dude. You wouldn't expect this from him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so Hollis escapes on foot, and Able Squad they get out of their they some of them get out of their e frames, and they're like, okay, we're gonna try to find him because they're like in a in a city almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we what we. Uh, and J- when they split up, JT warns the rest of the squad. He's like, listen, you know, these pirates don't like the fact that we're here. Be careful. You're going to have to deal with that resentment while you're looking for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, the, the, one, the one note I have here, at some point, Alec is talking to JT. And there is you see it from first you see it from Alec's point of view where you, you can see JT's little face in the, on the like video call and then you see the video call from outside of the e-frame and you can see the back of jt's head on that video call and i don't like that just struck me as one of those strange like decision moments where it's like yeah yeah he you could see the back of his head in this call but it's probably it's probably more like someone just like okay i have to draw the character and the back you're looking at him from a different angle but it just struck me as strange when when did this call take place i'm trying to find the spot in the episode here uh i don't i i don't remember exactly it, it's 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 before they get out of their e-frames i think interesting okay yeah it's just a real it's just a kind of funny moment um Oh yeah, so, here we go. I've uh, got it. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Hollis Hollis goes looking for Barca to get advice on you know what he's supposed to do now. They f- they know it was him. He fa- he thinks he failed, or did he think he succeeded? I'm not really sure. Um, I, think, I think Hollis is just like shit scared because now he knows that the Exo Squad is well, yeah. Able Squad's like on the case and right. <laughs> he's gonna get fucked. <laughs> Yeah. Exo Fleet's best fighters are looking for him. And right. that's not that's not what you want in life. Right. right. Well, and it's also, I mean, like, you gotta figure Hollis kind of looks up to JT. There's a certain degree of like um like almost mentorship there. And I feel like as much as everything else, like Hollis is scared shitless, there's also probably like a sinking sense of like I've I've disappointed the one man the man that I look up to the most. Um and like I say, I, I I wonder if there's not like just like this overwhelming sense of guilt there. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Oh, uh, another thing, just really quickly too. During the chase scene, it's also intercut with them taking some bucket to the hospital. Um, yeah, and we get that whole moment where they're like, um, you know, like what's his face, uh, Winfield's talking to the doctor, who is inexplicably in this weird breathing apparatus thing. Um, it seems like all the med techs in this episode are wearing this like strange like face hazmat suit, hazmat suit thing. thing. Yeah, it's like, is this? I don't understand. Um, I feel I feel like I feel like that's probably a coloring trick. Mm. Like you can put someone in a mask like that, and you don't have to really color their face. You only have to do the line art and just make it all the same color. That's or fair. animate a mouth moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the kind of quick way to you know. Cut down on on animation. But best best guess best guess there. Or you know they just like putting people in weird breather masks. I, I don't know. It's like, the future. But anyway, <laughs> um, he finds out. So he says like, oh, you've got to do everything you can to make sure Sabaka recovers. And the guy's like, oh, I, I don't, I wouldn't count on that. Um, it's yeah. he's probably gonna die. Um, and you get this like kind of just like first off like hilarious look on um admiral winfield's face he just like stops for a moment mouth agape and then inexplicably there's two other pirates there who are like oh if he dies the alliance is over um and i feel like that's actually like one of the kind of like great moments of tension in the show where it's like fuck like our entire thing hinges on this one person and if he dies it's like where does the exo fleet go Right. Because um, they can't stay on Chaos, and they've lost all of their, you know, like their moon base on Io or wherever it was. And so it's like this, like, sort of, like, do-or-die moment for them that, I mean, obviously it's a kid's show, and it's, like, trying to move through and, like, tell the story across the whole season. But if there's ever a live-action remake, I feel like a couple of episodes to really play up this sort of tension and the, like, sort of dread and do-or-die sort of, like, um, ramifications of this moment would be... What? that's fantastic storytelling I mean, it would literally be like you're you're in a room and you know in the next room over there's dudes with guns and knives waiting to kill you yeah right right because that's the thing is like oh the alliance is over and that the thing is it's like even even if they boot them out they've got nowhere to go and they're gonna die but they're probably not gonna boot you out they're probably just gonna kill all of you and you don't have a fleet and you don't really have any means to defend yourself it's it yeah. you're done they're gonna they're gonna kill all of you take all your technology and that'll be it. Yeah. The, the, the war, the war is over. Phaeton has won. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, this it's, is probably a, a it's a real immediate threat. Yeah. This is probably one of the moments where they come closest to losing the war. Yeah. And so it's just, you it, know, if, if you're listening, 
uh, Wilman Yo or, or uh, you know, Seagal or whoever, like, if you're listening and, uh, you know, you ever do do a, uh, like, a adaptation or modern remake of this, that is the scene. That is the stuff to really play up. Give us a couple episodes of just pure dread and tension. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we we could have we could have a great like Game of Thrones moment where they like it the Red Wedding of Exofleet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but for real though, I mean, like if this were like a kind of adult live action show or just an adult, even an adult cartoon, like a, a massacre of Exo Troopers at some point, uh, you know, kind of thrown into this uh, would be you know with some like investigation and who can we trust and a lot of paranoia and tension. Oh, it would be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, at this at this point, Hollis is going. I already I already talked about that. Hollis going to Barca for advice on what to do next. Um, and Bar Barca's like, well, you have to go to the, you have to go to the the factions that are against Simbaka, and here's where to find them. And, and we see JT and Takagi going into a local pirate bar to find hollis and they almost start a fight um a few a few things i loved about this scene there's a guy that is i think the bartender has a robot arm and or like a cybernetic arm and he's like written mom on it in sharpie i missed the mom but it's just yeah it's like like the old cartoon like the old cartoon classic mom tattoo but (laughs) he just like wrote it marker (laughs) that's fantastic Oh yeah, uh, no doubt. Bef- That's hilarious. Yeah, uh, and before before the fight starts, JT JT like because Takagi's ready to go because you know he's the young hothead, but JT like pulls him out of the bar and you know says you know you got to learn when not to fight <laughs> when you're surrounded by a bunch of pirates, outnumbered by pirates. Now's not the time. Um, Bark. Bark. Uh, Barka that it almost immediately finds JT and Takagi and betrays Hollis to them and sends them to Hollis's location, probably setting up a trap. And JT realizes that. Uh, Marcella hears this and he's just like, "I don't, get, I don't get pirates. <laughs> I don't get humans, but I really don't get pirates." Womp womp. <laughs> yeah, because like Barka, I think. I don't know if they ask him, like, why did you help Hollis escape or whatever, but he, like, basically over-explains himself, and he's like, well, I had to, because Hollis is my friend. But also, I'm going to sell him out right now. Like, I can tell you where he is. And doesn't he also have the caveat, you just can't let anyone know that I, I'm i the one who, like, told you where to find Hollis, right? Don't tell anyone. I'm literally the worst person ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. There's also a moment in this scene where his uh, mustache disappears. Um, he turns and it just vanishes from his face. Uh, I'll drop it in the chat, but yeah, he just, for a brief moment, it just recedes into his mouth, I guess. <laughs> like, like, like a, like a video game, like a modern, vi- oh wow, he actually looks way different without his mustache. <laughs> I know, it's like, oh wow, he's like kind of stunning and handsome. Yeah, like he like looks, he looks, he looks like 10 years younger without <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like one little change. It's like that's a good change, uh, Barky. You may want to consider shaving your stash there. I I love I love that that the, the screenshot you just posted has Rita in it, and she's like stroking her chin. He's like maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's like oh, you get rid of that little rat stash there, and hmm, yeah. 
That certainly makes him look less evil, that's for sure. Right? Yeah. But we all know he's still evil because of that voice. Yep. Yeah, there's no there's no fixing that voice. It's it's still gonna be the same Barka chatting to you. Uh not not great pillow talk. Not great pillow talk. Um they, so they go the Able Squad goes to where Barka tells them Hollis is and uh JT you know, they leave Takagi outside because his his fighter can't fit in the cave. Uh and Barka obviously warns the renegades about their approach and they set a trap for Able Squad. But JT's like, you know what? We got the option to go left or right. Barka told us to go left. Let's go right. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Except adventures always go left. You're you're not following the first rule of adventuring, JT. Um, The pirates, these renegade pirates, they all have this wonderful, like, pink, green, and skull motif. Oh, yeah. I really love it. The giant red helmets, too. The ones that have, it's like just one big bulbous red helmet at top notch. That's like some some boss aesthetics. And for a second there, and for a second there, you're like, okay, they all need these helmets, maybe because like there's not enough breathable atmosphere here. Except Hollis is just bombing around without one. <laughs> right? That's like it's like where's so the atmosphere coming helmets. from? They're all wearing helmets for like no reason. Because <laughs> if you don't have to wear a space helmet, you're probably not gonna put it on. Right? right. It's fashion, Dave. Jeez. I know. I just don't get it. I just I'm too old and square. All those <laughs> pastel pinks and greens and skulls. And... He's just I'm, not up on the fashion of the 23rd century, old man. I'm not, Are there a bunch of them hip. also have like red? It's like a red gloss like cover on the uh, helmet yep. that looks a bit like a dick. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but. <laughs> I mean, All right, never mind. <laughs> no, I know, I know what you're talking about. I'll get a screen cap of it. You're not wrong. <laughs> the uh, it's like the testicles <laughs> where the eyes are, and then the rest of the the actual tech is yeah, you know, your nose and mouth, part of your face. <laughs> it's definitely dog like your T your T zone or your T panel, as we call it, skincare. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> That's for a different podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the uh, what and what while they're go while they're going while they're going about this, we get we switch back to Simbaka in the hospital, and Algernon like they're they're like Simbaka's gonna die. His neurons are degenerating or something like that. He we can't save him, and Algernon's like, but what if we shine this lamp on him, and. He 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 saves his life by like counteracting the dark matter poisoning that supposedly is what makes all the pirates like hyper violent. Uh, yeah, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I... this, this part was like a little bit of fudged. Uh, I don't know evolutionary psychology or some shit. Like I don't know what. I mean, it's actually if you think about it, it's a nurture over nature sort of. It's environmental conditions producing bad behavior instead of it being something inherently genetic to the pirates uh, oh well now yeah. you're just absolving them of responsibility <laughs> well you know i'm a filthy cultural marxist so <laughs> i don't believe in individual responsibility <laughs> the pirates are just buying into that victim mentality by blaming it on dark matter <laughs> when did when did jordan peterson show up for our podcast <laughs> well Dave, I'm if sorry, you understand a lot of... when you're talking about the pirates it really is just a Jungian collapse of self-understanding abnegation 
Also, why is Kermit the Frog still like <laughs> They sound exactly the same. Listen to Jordan Peterson sometime. <laughs> he is Kermit the Frog. Hi ho, Jordan Peterson here. Yeah, literally though. <laughs> uh. Oh my gosh. All right, hang on. But yeah, so like, let's go back to this because Elginon's little lamp. He like pulls out this weird co- machine contraption thing, and then it just kind of sprays like green glittery light onto Simbaka. Right? Am I thinking of yes. the machine? Yep, a hundred percent. Which it's supposed to be uh, full spectrum light, so like UV rays, infrared. I don't know, like right, like all of them. So he's getting skin cancer at the same time that it's healing his brain cells. Yes. <laughs> Three. I, I, I'm abs. I'm absolutely like 100 percent like here for future future tech, like healing people. But also, I love the idea that like it all is like everything Algernon just said is bullshit, and like he's he's like the world's best engineer. But he's also like big into like shitty homeopathic medicine. <laughs> like right. quantum spin therapy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's like we're gonna we're gonna align Simbaka chakras here and he'll be he'll just be okay. We're gonna he'll put these okay. inserts into his feet to or into his shoes to draw out the toxins through the bottom of his feet. Um, That's right. And and it just like Simbaka just recovers because he's like you know, got a strong constitution. He's just a naturally robust person. <laughs> and Algernon's like, yep, I'm a genius. <laughs> Super genius. Right, because it does come out of left field. He's like, yeah, I've been studying his physiology. It's like, aren't you a physicist? <laughs> it's, he's a genius. He's, well, I mean, a physicist would know all about light, right? I mean, or something. Yes, something please like please don't send me any angry letters all the physicists out there. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is, but it's, okay, again, in its defense, right, this is a kid's show, so, you know, like, willing suspension of disbelief, but I've noticed that a lot with just television in general, is that anyone who's a scientist has scientific skills that are, like, totally transferable to other scientific disciplines that they probably have no experience in. Um, Right. You know, so, like, we're watching the War of the Worlds TV show with Gabriel Byrne. And like, while I love Irish Daddy, it's just so funny to me that he his character's like a geneticist, and yet he's also like really good at like creating viruses and like coming up with all anything that's like v- vaguely biologically related. Like that's his. We started off scientist. teaching like a class on neurology too in that show, so it's just like he's. Yeah, it's not really clear what his degree's in. It's just biology science. Science Daddy. Like, that's his thing. Science Read Daddy. Me. Read me Gaelic poetry, Irish science daddy. <laughs> I mean, but exactly, though. He is pretty handsome in that show, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Elginon's uh, the same thing. He's just like a a scientist of all things, a renaissance science man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, the, he's, the, ex, he's, the, he's the future da Vinci. Because um, he, do, he also paints. That's true. Mm. He also paints. Yeah, Daddy Vinci. Oh no, <laughs> Alger Vinci. I like it. Uh, oh. Able Able Squad Able Squad gets through gets through this cave by going the opposite direction of of what Barca told them, and they find this uh, this renegade like dry dock where they're building another resolute, basically. Right. It, it, is it me or is it kind of convenient that the ship that the pirates who are building or that the ship that the pirates are building, uh, presumably to fight the Exo Squad, looks remarkably like the flagship of the Exo Fleet? 
That seems. I mean, maybe maybe it's just a great maybe it's just a great design. Like it does look. Maybe that's maybe that's the pinnacle of warship design. I don't know. Like yeah, it's also a great way to make it so your artists don't have to draw another ship. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like I kind of also wonder if it's not like some sort of really subtle fuck you in the pirate consciousness of like we're gonna kill you with your own ship. Oh man, what if they what if they had gotten a chance to finish it and they just like decked it out with like skulls and crossbones all over the place? <laughs> pink and green. Yeah, pink 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 green skulls and crossbones just flying out of that dry dock and taking down Exofleet. I'm here actually here for it. Like I, the, let's do an alternate universe uh, rendition of this. I'm down. Yeah. Uh who's the fellow that's writing the visual novel? Let's do a, a kind of spin-off maybe at some point. Um let's let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, Michael, if you're listening, <laughs> get that art commission. It's <laughs> uh, a, a fight. A fight breaks out. Uh, Hollis betrays the Renegades to save Able or to help to help Able Squad. JT saves Hollis, and they all jump on this ship, and uh, it just works because uh, like Marsala's like, well, it's a space dry dock, so you don't need to ignite the engines. Just push it out or something. Which makes... Is this the point where oh, the ship, sorry, just like blasts out the side of the planet? Yes. It's, it, it also scrapes on the ground. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully it's harder than the ground, I guess. Um, yeah. But it does make a certain sense if you think about it, because think about the engines needed to propel a ship of that size. Mm-hmm. igniting that in the center of the planet is probably a bad idea. Yeah, you probably don't want to do that in an enclosed space, do you? No, you're going to melt a oh, lot of stuff. Do they have a, what's it, like a graph shield on Chaos? Because on that little, like, planet thing? Because once it blasts a giant hole in the planet, surely the gravity and vacuum of space and all that crap happens? Yeah, I would assume so. Okay, alright, so everyone's I mean, dead. <laughs> Everyone's dead. Everyone's well, dead. No, dead. the door. The, doesn't the doesn't the door close behind them? Yeah, and like I mean, it wouldn't. I mean, I doubt chaos even has an atmosphere. Um, I think everybody lives underground oh, in true. different different places. So it, you know, I mean, it just probably goes out one side, and then even if there's a door or not, like okay, like their cavern is out of atmosphere, but everybody but Hollis has a mask on anyway. So. Eh. I mean, the, the scene is ridiculous and fun. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's Bronsky that gives us a good old yeehaw as they as they steal the ship. Um, and then immediately, the, like the last 30 seconds of the show, Sabaka recovers from his injuries and Winfield like inspects the new ship and says that Sabaka will be the one to command it and dubs it the resolute two <laughs> creative very creative although you know it's fair you know it's a yeah. kind of way to square to bring the circle back around close the circle that's the phrase I'm looking oh for. what if like what if, what if he what if he had gone like uh, I, I guess a lot of people probably would have hated it if he would have named it uh the um the the like the like Marcus or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not a good name it after the Extra Fleet's most famous mutineer. Yeah, probably not a good idea. Yeah, it'd be like uh, having like the the USS Benedict Arnold or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh, maybe maybe you could have called it like the Matthew because like probably a lot of people didn't know that his first name was was Matthew, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, Hollis walks up and he's like, my life is yours, Simbaka. And JT and Winfield are like, no, you can't kill him. Because <laughs> Hollis like, like, literally hands Simbaka a gun and like gets down on his knees. Like, okay, my life's in your hands now because I fucked up. And... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like actual military would have been like, nah, this guy, this guy just attempted treason. I don't care if he tried to uh, tried to redeem himself. He he literally almost ended this war. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe that's uh, the benefit of, you know, Hollis goes on to do great things, so maybe that's the benefit of not having a rigid code of justice and having something that's flexible to uh, moments and conditions. Listen, um. listen, <laughs> if you're, if you're going to keep coming at me with reasonable ideas, I don't think we can continue. <laughs> I said, follow the letter of the law, goddammit! Um, yeah, I actually, I would have liked this scene a little bit more if Simbaka had been the one to relent right from the get go of like, you know, Hollis, like we need everyone we can get. You made a mistake, but like, cause that's, Simbaka is a smart, clever leader. And like, as far as leadership goes, if you have the person who just tried to kill you coming and repenting and saying they're putting their lives in your hands, then choosing not to kill that person and to take the kind of bigger moral route here. Uh, it guarantees that Hollis is going to be loyal to you for the rest of his life. He made a stupid mistake because he's young and naive, but he's grown. And like, this is sort of the, the episode is like the kind of the education and progress of Hollis, whatever his last name is. Um, I keep wanting to say Hollis Wynn because that's a friend of mine's dad. Uh, but like he, uh, you know, has this kind of moment. And so like, that would be a way of sort of developing, not ensuring that his further development is entirely and always loyal to you. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does a few things. They could have done a few things with that, right? They could have shown, like, it could have shown character growth for Simbaka mm-hmm. because you know you definitely would have shot him before, and it it also maybe would have proven what Algernon just said. Yeah, where like this treatment would make them less prone to like acts of violence, and also you know I get the I get the impression that Hollis is well liked among the pirates, mm-hmm. so keeping him alive while some of them might see it as a thing of weakness uh there are other people who might be like well wait a minute maybe maybe like simbaka is the leader that we should absolutely follow Mm -hmm. because like look what he's done to this hero of the pirates and, you know, since you're dealing with a problem with mutiny that, yes, has largely been shattered at this point, but still there are a lot of these disaffected, disgruntled pirates around. If they see this sort of open hand of friendship, it might encourage more of them to, you know, abandon their mutinous ways. Yeah. yeah. Alas. You know, well, if you guys do a remake. Just saying. Just putting do it out remake. there. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the end of the episode. I don't even remember there being like an after card, or if there it was, wasn't. it was someone was who we've seen before. Yeah, there was not. All right. Overall, I think a pretty decent episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, a yeah. very, very. I think a very good episode, especially with that, with that high end animation quality mm-hmm. that a lot of it had. Absolutely. Uh, anything? Anything you two would like to plug this week? 
Uh, since it's October, uh, you know, we're trying to watch some more horror movies, Lexi and I both being big-time horror aficionados. And we watched one last night called La Llorona, which is not the La Llorona that was done by the Annabelle and, like, Conjuring team, but is a Guatemalan movie about... Uh, it's loosely based on uh, Rios Mont, who is the... Uh, um, uh, dictator of, of Guatemala in the early 80s who more or less conducted a really thorough and brutal genocide against the Mayan people. Uh, so it's like basically kind of about him toward the end of his life being haunted um, literally by his victims. Uh, really, really good. If you like kind of slow burn atmospheric horror, um, it was, I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, it's La Llorona with two L's at the beginning. L-L-O-R-O-N-A. Yeah. I like I like I like that description. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, just make sure you get the um, Guatemalan one and not the really bad uh, one that was produced in the Annabelle Conjuring universe. I think the bad one, or the not as good one, is the Curse of La Llorona. Ah, okay, yeah. That is makes, that right? I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. Um, whereas this one's just called La Llorona, and you'll know immediately because it's it's in guatemalan in spanish sorry mm -hmm. <laughs> and whatever they need like the native languages of that area are yeah um which is pretty cool to hear uh i watch i watch a youtube essay guy called movie bob and he does a thing every year called schlocktober mm. and uh last week he referenced a movie called thunder of gigantic serpent mm. and it is a movie that looks like a, i think i think it was uh, made entirely out of stock footage of like a giant monster movie that never got made combined with like an American action thriller. Mm. But like, you know, the kind of the kind the, both movies look like they had approximately a $50 budget. And uh, I watched I watched it and it was uh, it was the best kind of bad. Let's just say that. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Terrible writing. Wonderful rubber suits. And uh, just the just the worst choreography you've ever seen. Sounds phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Lexi, you got anything? Uh, not really. I don't know. Yeah, I uh, just been watching also like random YouTubers lately while I try to paint some miniatures in between working. So I've been getting into Philosophy Tube, which is pretty interesting, but. Uh, they've got lots of fans, so they don't really need me to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the plug's the plug. Yeah. If if one if one of if one of our fifty-ish listeners go goes and listen, that that helps that helps everyone. Uh, but but um, what was I going to say? Uh, I mean, uh, ch obviously check out Lexi's uh, uh, Insta er, miniature Instagram. You you I assume you're still posting on that. Yeah, I mean less frequently just because I've you know got a dissertation to write but this week yeah. i've taken off some time to actually do some painting and fast nice. with instagram nice. it's good it's good that you get time to actually enjoy yourself while you're while you're doing that yeah all right friends all right yeah thanks everyone for listening and as always stay safe and have a have a happy halloween uh, probably this will come out a little bit before that but yeah. i hope hope you all have a good good one yep. all right all right cheers bye Bye.